Hi, this is Pastor Kent Clark, CEO of Grace Centers of Hope and Senior Pastor at Grace Gospel Fellowship in the heart of downtown Pontiac, Michigan. I've been a pastor for over 50 years and the CEO of Grace Centers of Hope for over 40 years. In that time, I've witnessed the complete transformation of men, women, and children from addiction, abuse, and homelessness to sober, God-honoring, and community-driven family men and women. It's been an honor to watch God do His work over and over again from the inside out through our programs and ministry here at Grace Centers. Because I've heard so many great stories of redemption, restoration, and revival, I decided to start our first podcast, Through the Grace Vine. It's an opportunity for me to discuss in depth the testimonies and interesting details of those who have passed through these doors and have come out the other side, changed men and women. On today's episode, we have Joe. Hello, Pastor. What an honor it is to be here with you today. And it's great to have you, Joe. Joe, how many years has it been since you went through Grace Centers of Hope? Oh, man. Uh, I graduated the program in 2005, so that would be 17 years ago. Let's go back a little bit. Um, you know, I'm having these fond memories of when we first met, and we actually met through... Your wife. Yeah. I, uh, my wife used to be the director of development here. And um, I actually started coming to Grace Gospel Fellowship before I entered the program at Grace Centers of Hope. And uh, I actually had to get your blessing in order to marry my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michelle is like a daughter to me. She started here... Um, I don't know how old she was, 18, 19 years old. Maybe, yeah, fresh out of college. Yeah, and did a great job for us in the development department here and continues on herself in ministry. But um, let's, I can remember back in those early days when you first started coming to Grace Gospel Fellowship some of our conversations, at least it seemed to me early on, or I was suspect that God was going to do something with you or God was intervening in your life. I mean, there was some some uh, drug things happening, which we will talk about yeah. a little later. But I think, I think even previous to that all coming out, um, you had expressed some desire, at least to me, about ministry, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was sharing with the guys the other day uh, before I was in the program. I was at church, and you were preaching one Sunday, and you actually came down out of the pulpit, and you looked at me and said, do you think you're called to be a preacher? <laughs> and I looked at my wife, and I thought, I don't know. I don't know what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> but, um, but what I know I heard was uh, what I was hearing for the first time was the true uh, gospel um, that it c comes from the scripture, and I, it was something that I had never heard before at any other church. It was just amazing what the Lord was, uh, how He was using you at that time 
And when you asked me that and went back up into the pulpit and started preaching again, it was something on my mind for a long time because it seemed that's not an everyday experience at church. Yeah, you know, I, I do know this, that when God calls, especially I think it is it true in ministry, you may try to cover that up a bit. You may not even want to be a, uh, a minister. But uh, God doesn't go back on his calling. Once he calls us, he never, never lets up. So even at that time, some of the drug problems was going on, right? Yeah, at that time I was in no position to be uh, ministering to anybody. Um, I was in the depths of my drug addiction, uh, addicted to opiates, from a back injury I sustained from playing hockey for many years. And um, But I had a very successful career in the automotive business, and I would drive past Grace Centers of Hope on my way home to this house that me and my wife built out in Howell. And I would drive past Grace Centers every day and say to myself, how is it that a person could get it so bad where they're in a homeless shelter. And God said, I'm going to show you. And I ended up in the homeless shelter in 2005 with nothing to my name. After uh, And I had been through several secular rehabs before coming to Grace Centers of Hope with no success and really just, you know, no gospel, uh, no God. Um, and I certainly didn't believe that it was a disease. So I was relieved to get here and find out that what I had was a sin problem and not a uh, disease I was going to have to live with for the rest of my life. So here you were attending church, you and Michelle. You hadn't got married yet, but she knew nothing. Had you hid from her your drug use? Oh, yeah. I yeah. hid it. I hid it well. I thought I was hiding it well. <laughs> Uh, a lot of it was hidden in the back seat of my car and until one day I had come home from work and uh, Michelle was tipped off by my work that um, I was released because I was nodding out at work and sleeping at work. And, and so I pulled into the driveway just after receiving a phone call letting me know that I was fired. And she says, I want to see you open the back door of your car and when I opened the back door of my car it was like an avalanche of pill bottles falling onto the driveway and um, that's when she said to me you can't be here anymore you, you need to leave because at that point I, I had already had gone to rehab and you had been with me to uh, my arraignment for uh, calling in prescriptions that was my old uh, <laughs> Tried to be Dr. Atwell and call him prescriptions, and uh, they finally caught me. And uh, so, yeah, that was uh, I was at the end of it. By the time I had pulled in the driveway, Michelle had had enough of it. And you well, had a baby at that time too, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I had a, a nine-month-old daughter, and uh, my faithful friend Charlie Brown, who was my chocolate lab, <laughs> and uh, I found myself living in my car. Uh, because I wasn't really ready at that moment to, I thought I was going to figure it out. So Michelle made the, the hard choice. By the way, 
you were um, designer of wheels, right? Yes. And kind of at the top of that ladder. Yeah. Um, I was designing some wheels for some pretty fancy cars and for special people that are in the automotive business and made uh, notarized in several uh, automobile magazines. And I was doing well. And uh, I thought I was doing well. <laughs> Worldly speaking, I was doing wonderful, but inside my soul was rotting. So you were actually writing your own prescriptions. That's why you got the nickname around here, Dr. Joe, right? Or yeah. Dr. Atwell. Yeah, I would I would call in my own prescriptions. I would uh, call the pharmacy and say, you know, whatever drug I was seeking to get. And most of the time it was no problem. But one time I called a certain pharmacy and it happened to be a Christian pharmacist that received my call, and uh, it could have only been by God's grace and uh, that he knew something was wrong. And so when I went to pick it up, it was on Valentine's Day. I had a weekend planned up north with Michelle for Valentine's weekend, and uh, the worst possible thing you can do as a man is get thrown into jail on Valentine's Day. Oh, just, good. Just letting you know. <laughs> Uh, so I, I walked into the pharmacy, and uh, I knew something seemed strange. Something was off, and I picked up the prescription. I turned around, went to walk out, and I seen a sheriff standing at the first aisle. I was getting ready to turn down, and I thought, oh, that's weird. Sheriff's here to pick up his prescription. Then I walked <laughs> down another aisle. There was another sheriff, and I thought, well, if I keep walking aisles, maybe there won't be a sheriff standing there. And I walked down the aisle, and uh, sure enough, there was a sheriff there, and I just, I knew I was caught. And uh, I just, uh, I was thankful, but... So one of the top wheel designers in this country, making a major magazines, using drugs, and writing his own prescription, and uh, attending church, too. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. And married to a, a great... Christian lady mm -hmm. with a newborn, and did they handcuff you in the drugstore? They did not handcuff me. They didn't. The sheriff says, he said to me, he goes, I have a feeling you're going to cooperate with me, and I don't I don't feel the need to handcuff you. Um, you walk outside of the squad car and get in, and uh, we're going to take you to the hospital and see if you can get any medical help before we take you to jail. And uh, I tried to be very uh, as cooperative as possible. I'm not. I've never tried to fight the law in my life or anything like that. So I had no intention of doing anything crazy. Yeah. Uh, so they took you to the hospital. How long was your stay at the hospital? <laughs> it wasn't very long because the doctor found out that was treating me that I was uh, playing doctor at pharmacies. And once he found that out, he told the uh, officer, there's nothing we can do for him. And they just, he said, you might as well take him to jail. And so I didn't, I didn't receive any kind of medication or anything to, because I, I was going to start getting sick from that using. Mm -hmm. And doctor, I knew he wanted me to experience it full blown. So I, I get it. I mean, you know, 
it's an insult to them and their profession, but... Um, so they call Michelle? Yes. We got to the... Uh, we got... I got checked in, fingerprinted, all that stuff, thrown in, sail, in the cell, and they came got me, and I called Michelle and said, hey, uh, I got bad news. I'm in uh, West Bloomfield Jail right now, and I'll probably get transferred to Oakland County. Um, I said I got arrested for a uh, fake prescription, and she didn't believe me. So I said, here, talk to the sheriff. And... Uh, Sheriff started talking to her, and all I could hear was her bawling on the other end of the phone and uh, him saying to me, she doesn't want to talk to you. So um, that was rough. That was rough. So they took you to Oakland County eventually? Yeah. Jail? Made it to Oakland County. And then what happened? Then I went in for arraignment um, where uh, Michelle actually showed up and my mom and dad. And you were there. I got arraigned and uh, posted bond. And then I went immediately to a rehab center, um, secular rehab center, and uh, did my seven-day bit there. And I stayed dry for a while. There was still something missing, you know. It was just, there was just, I didn't find any peace within. The drugs for me were... A release from many things that I had experienced in my life as a young boy, losing a very close family member and not knowing how to deal with that. And I just know that it erased all those memories because he was very important to me in terms of my hockey career and taught me how to skate and stuff. So I, I really had a hard time with that. And so uh, just taking the drugs away, I was just like, this isn't going to work. So the kind of the order of your life went, you got married yeah. to Michelle. Yeah. You were using at that time. Yeah. And then in a while, Michelle was pregnant with your first child. Yeah. And she gave birth to a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was then that things began to fall. You'd bought a new house. We built a house out in the house, beautiful house. Yeah. Yeah, $400,000 house. Yeah. And that we, uh, thanks to me, we ended up getting uh, repossessed or foreclosed on. Because you lost your job, right? Because I lost my drugs. job. We had no, yeah. no income. Yeah. And then you were arrested. And did you go to court? I went to court and I was told that I was going to have the worst possible judge to face before going to circuit court for my sentencing. Uh, I don't remember her name, but I knew that you knew who she was. So you came and spoke on my behalf. And so they got sent up to the circuit court because it was a felony charge. She wouldn't drop it down, but at least let me stay out of jail. And then I made it to circuit court where I had a, a really great judge. His name was Judge Mester. I say great because he was very merciful to me. The original plea agreement was that I would do probation. But the day I showed up for court, the prosecutor decided to change his mind and wanted to give me 90 days. <clears throat> 90 days or up to uh, six months. And I was convinced that I was going to get locked up and... And Judge Mester said, no, the original plea agreement was that he would do probation. 
and that's what we're going to stick to. And so he was very merciful to me. Um, did my probation, but you know, like a the knucklehead that I am, uh, chief of sinners, I wasn't done. Even during probation, I was using, and they didn't they didn't care as long as I had a pill bottle with a doctor's name on it, had my name on it. They didn't care. Um, and that went on for a little while until finally Michelle, you know, said, get out of here. We're done. We're done. She was seeking to file for divorce. And um, I watched my my baby girl as I drove away and just see my whole life flash in front of my face. And all this time, where was Michelle working? Michelle was working at good old Grace Centers of Hope. <laughs> She's the director of development. <laughs> she was, indeed. Yes. That was a tough time. Yeah. Um, so, um, so for a while you were just living in your car? Yeah, I went over to my brother's because he was trying to be a... And my brother was scared that I was going to die, so I went and slept on his floor for one night. And... Every half hour, he was coming out, putting a mirror under my nose to make sure I was breathing, because I was ODing. And uh, I woke up the next morning, and he said, "I can't, I can't handle this. You got to go." So I did. I went and lived in my car. Wherever I could find a park, I'd go park for the night and go to bed and keep chasing after that false god of drugs and I just got to the point where I was so sick of it. I just, I felt so lost and without hope. Um, there were two things that I would not pawn. So I ran out of things to pawn. Uh, there were two things I wouldn't pawn. One was my, my bow and the other was my uh, trusty deer hunting rifle. And uh, I tried to one night kill myself in uh, the parking lot of the park. And uh, the gun misfired twice. And it's my uh, most reliable hunting gun I have. In fact, I shot the biggest deer I've ever shot this year in Wisconsin with it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, um, boy, you were lucky, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I, if, if it weren't for luck, it weren't, I wouldn't have anything. <laughs> so two times you pulled that trigger and, and nothing happened. Double click. And I, and I was so, so frustrated. I threw the gun in the back. I saw so much for my trusty gun. And I said, and I thought, well, I don't know how to pull the bow back and send an arrow through my head, so I'm not going to bother doing that. And I woke up the next day, and uh, I just said, I got to do something. Like, I really need, I really need help. Like, and you and Pam happened to just have left for a cruise, and so it was between coming to Grace Centers of Hope and somewhere else located on the other side of the state and I told Michelle I said you know I really just feel like I need to go to Grace Centers of Hope 
And she said, I just want you to know one thing. You don't come up and talk to me. You don't ever look at me. You don't, you don't come and ask for me. You do your program, do your thing, you know, and I, ho I hope you make it through and, and this works out for you. And, uh, so I called Grace Centers to get in the program and lo and behold, did I know that you and Pam already had an idea of that I was coming here and, uh, just blown away that, that you and Pam really cared for me that much that, you know, Michelle told me that Pam was crying on the phone and wanting me to be here and, and, uh, I just, I've never experienced a, a, a care or a love like that. You know, um, I, I'm recalling lots of things. And there was an occasion where you broke into Michelle's house. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How can um, you leave that part out, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to call Michelle that night to talk about some of the mission fundraising things. And uh, I actually called while you were breaking in, or you had yeah. broke in, and Michelle was gone. She wasn't there that night. Yeah, it was great. I broke into my house, and the good thing about it was my dog was so happy to see me. He didn't bark, so neighbors weren't wondering what was going on. He was just so happy to see me. And uh, you happened to call my my personal cell phone number, which Michelle had taken from me, and uh, and I looked at the number, and I'm like, I don't recognize this, but surely it's somebody I can get something from. And uh, well, I got something. I got talking from you like I'd never received before, a very stern um, but very needed warning that unless I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I was going to die. And uh, I just felt at that moment the Lord saying to me, live, it's time to live. And uh, that's really the breaking point is so when I decided uh, to, that's really what made me think about coming to Grace Center of Hope because I knew it was a year program and I knew I needed that amount of time, but I, need, I knew even more what I needed was I needed Jesus Christ because I had a sin problem and uh, that needed to be dealt with. And thankfully, Jesus dealt with it on the cross Amen. on my behalf. But uh, it took a lot of uh, a lot of counseling here and a lot of uh, great preaching. So you didn't go to jail. I did not go to and, jail. And yeah, and uh, we opened arms, welcome you to come into the one-year program. Yes. And Michelle said she wasn't going to talk to you while you were. In yeah. the program, yeah. But she did talk to me a lot. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> she did. <laughs> uh, and how the Lord works that. So you were here for um, uh, a whole year, right? Yeah, yeah. Went through the program. Yeah, did aftercare for two years. How long have you been clean, Joe? Clean in the sense of not using drugs. None of us real clean, but <laughs> seventeen years I haven't used a drug. Seventeen years. Yeah. Wow, that's. That's awesome. And I want to say to those of you who are listening, you know, you may not be a noted addict. I know we talk at Grace Gospel a lot about addiction, and sometimes Miss Pam says to me, you know, you, you ought to say something maybe 
simply you're always hitting on addiction. You know, there are more sins than simply <laughs> addiction <laughs> sin. And I say, yeah, but it, but it really fits well. Yours is a very unusual story about a very successful uh, drawing these wheels for all kinds of automobiles and making magazines and making good money too. Yeah. Um, and it looks successful, but the day is coming uh, when it's going to catch up. Yeah. 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 And how you came here. Very unusual story. So I, I think there'll be people listening out there. You may not be living uh, in the hood using drugs. You may be a top-notch wheel designer making lots of money and throwing it, writing your own prescriptions, right? And how God, in His providence, you think that gun story is an amazing story mm. to, for that thing to. Yeah, I saw I saw pictures of that deer. You got this. Oh, it's a monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Let's see what else we ought to talk about a little bit. So, you also have feel like God's called you to uh, preach and pastor, and oh, yeah. you did pastor a little while, for a I while. Did. Now you're back home. I'm back at Grace Centers of Hope, where I belong. Yeah, exactly. And now you are doing what here at Grace Centers? Uh, I'm the director of the men's program. Yeah. I had done that job for a while. I also sit on the board of directors for Grace Centers of Hope. Um, but I've always uh, made it a, a mission of mine to, to be around this mission and the church. It's uh, these are it's it sounds funny, but these are the people that I love and that I feel most at home with. It's where I heard God's calling in in my life to to be a shepherd and to preach the gospel. Uh, I can remember the night that it happened. I was selling Christmas trees at. <laughs> yeah. Remember we did the we sell Christmas trees out in the front yard of the church. Yes. And I was standing out there one night, and I had just been reading Romans. I was doing a study on Romans chapter 10. How how will they hear without uh, anybody preaching? And I I was looking at the church building, and I could hear you inside because you were much more of a wild man back then. <laughs> um, but I could hear you inside preaching. And I just heard God say to me, you're going to be a preacher. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. He says, yeah, you are. That's why you've been reading. And that's why you've been, that's why those words have been taking seat in your heart. And so uh, I just, I just fall in love with the word of God and, and sharing it with whoever I can, wherever I can. Evangelism, you know, I don't I have a burden on my heart for lost souls. You know, that's awesome. I I think to God in his providence, how he has blessed you and your family. Uh, where is Michelle and that older daughter right now? Michelle and my older daughter right now are in Turkey. So they're around the world uh, during this fine uh, period in the history of this globe uh, when the Russians are at war with Ukraine and that are below Turkey are, you know, seeking for American citizens. And I worry about my 
precious. Well, she's not my little daughter anymore. <laughs> she's she's my big girl now, but I'm worried about him over there. But I know that God's sovereign. He's got his hand on them, and they got to see the church in Ephesus. So that's exciting. But Joe, you've been you and Michelle have been to Russia, right? We've been to Ukraine, yes. Ukraine as well. Yep. Yeah. We planted uh, two churches in uh, the Chernobyl zone. We did ministry to the folks that were left behind in Chernobyl after the accident uh, that they wouldn't let leave because of the radiation. And so we were the first, uh, uh, the Orthodox priests called us those Baptist people. <laughs> uh, we were those first Baptist people to go in there and preach the gospel. And so that's where I really learned to love door-to-door evangelism. I, of course, I had an interpreter with me, but we went door-to-door to every surrounding houses around the reactor and just loved on people, shared the gospel with them, gave them Bibles. Uh, unfortunately, those churches have been flattened by uh, rockets, and uh, the church in Kiev that I had the f- privilege to preach at twice um has withstood the uh shelling and stuff that's been going on there so god has been merciful to that church and but yeah it's uh i've had a lot of opportunities to uh minister the gospel and and that's really all i i want to do with my life it's funny when i first started coming to church here over 20 years ago i would stand in the hallway because i was too scared to come sit in the congregation because I didn't know anybody in there, and I'm a pretty introverted guy. And But I heard you preach the gospel, and tears would just fall down the side of my face, because I knew I was hearing the absolute truth of God's Word, and the Spirit of God was doing something to me. He was regenerating me. And uh, I just, if he can do it to a sucker like me, he can do it for anybody. And so I'm determined... Uh, my favorite scripture, I'm determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, First Corinthians 2, 2. And that is just my determination. I don't, I w- I don't have anything else to live for besides God. Well, what, a, what an awesome story, Joe. Thank you for coming today. And those of you who are going to be hearing this story, God is a miracle-working God, and He can certainly do that in your life. You may have uh, given up all hope of being off of whatever that addiction is, but God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And uh, I wanted you to hear Joe's story. It's a miracle story. The The very first episode we did was with Mary, and uh, what an awesome story that was. Mm. We do see the miracles of God here in a real way where lives are being changed. This morning I was speaking on radio and I told about our house sale yesterday where a couple came a few years ago and got their life back together. They fell in love here and and bought their own house. To me, that's just an awesome story. They're living in our neighborhood, in our little Grace Village, and have come out of darkness into light like uh, Joe and Mary. I hope you'll keep listening and let us hear from you as you hear the the wonder stories. I always think of Psalm 126 where the Lord says in his word, 
or Israel said, The Lord hath done great things for us, Amen. whereof we are glad. And even the heathen said, The Lord hath done great things for them. And we're experiencing those things here. Well, God bless you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe for more awesome stories of God's grace, His mercy, and amazing miracles in the lives of those here at Grace Centers of Hope. Thank you, and God bless you.